Okay, so this is what we're calling episode negative one of uh, Ruma Roy. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start, we, we have a few things to talk about. So just a few introductions. Before I introduce what this um, this whole, what this podcast is going to be or what we hope it's going to be, I'm just going to introduce myself, introduce my friend, my partner. <laughs> um, so my name is Roshan Gomez or also sometimes known as Roshan Gomez, depending on, on depending on the person and depending on my mood. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, 28 this year, very old. <laughs> I, what else can you, what, what else you want to Sungai Bulo represent? <laughs> <laughs> Is that really something worth mentioning? <laughs> yeah, I think so, man. <laughs> Sungai Bulo people are getting excited. <laughs> and also, I'm a lawyer by profession. But, and actually that kind of figures into what I want to, why I want to do this podcast. Because I think I'm not a lawyer I'm not Roshan Gomez, the lawyer. I'm Roshan Gomez, a lawyer. <laughs> you know? Sure, that's you know, There are some people who, they are lawyers with a capital okay. L. <laughs> that defines them. Yeah, like. justice runs through their blood. You know, uh. they eat and sleep and feed on the law. That's, that's, that's not me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm interested in it, but I'm not defined by it. And so I think uh, this is more a pursuit for me to like find out, you know, why am I here? What's going on, man? Uh, it's a bit too deep for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> we'll Hopefully, Jeremy, you can enlighten me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's me. Jeremy, what about you? Who are you? Um, my name is Jeremy. I work as a researcher at mm. the Jeffrey Sachs Center. I do all sorts of things. I work in a history NGO. I'm involved in activism, uh, looking to overthrow capitalism. So <laughs> that's nice. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the way we know each other, we've been friends for a while now. Close friends. Close friends, I would say, best friends. Uh, <laughs> we okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you wanna have labels, sure, best friends, I would say. I think the length of it also helps. <laughs> yeah, we've we've known each other. We met when we were basically thirteen, yeah. high school. Um, in the same class. Same class, one C. <laughs> not, <laughs> not our proudest moment. Our proudest moment. <laughs> <laughs> but we improved since then. I think you you, you got straight A's for UPSR except. No, no. UPSR, I got pretty dog shit results. <laughs> Which uh, was? Like three A's, three B's, and one C. I think the C was for Chinese. Well, technically, I got three A's, two B's. So that's worse. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> not significantly worse. Like. No wonder, no wonder we kind of got close. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, after that was upward trajectory, right? I mean, I mean, I think it was because I spoke English at home. Yeah. We were damn lucky to have English. I mean, English be the medium for science and math. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, you ended up doing, getting a scholar, Jeffrey Chair scholarship. So I think, uh, you know, from, I think the 3A, uh, 2B, I mean, 3A, <laughs> whatever number of Bs, Jeremy, we're really proud of you right now. Hey, we got lucky. La, got lucky. But the funniest, <laughs> funniest thing, I, I mean, the thing that always makes me laugh is how, because you're a really smart guy. And uh, for, PMR, now PT3. Oh, yeah. You got straight A's. But no. you, you, you flunked <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> people have mythologized it. I got six A's, one B, and a C. <laughs> but I think people turned the story into I got straight A's and one C. <laughs> and in one E, sorry. I got an E. Although you Chinese. didn't flunk, flunk your Mandarin. La. You passed, actually. No, E. It was an E. It's oh, you got, wait, you got E for Mandarin. I got E is a fail. <laughs> That part of the story is true, but I didn't get straight. Okay, so we've clarified the myth, <laughs> the legend of Jeremy Lim. Because I bet people are still telling this story. Our Mandarin <laughs> teacher hated you. Yeah. Uh, Miss Lee. <laughs> Shout out Miss Lee. <laughs> I mean, that was reason enough to stop Mandarin. La. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
or at least she would let me. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So we've known each other for a while. Yeah. Um, I think we bonded over Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. And, okay, Star I'll just Wars. see how I remember you as a Form 1 kid. <laughs> I remember you. Uh, two things. One, I was class monitor. And I, in, in the beginning of the day, the class monitor has to go and get the record book yeah. <laughs> for the teacher to sign after coming for one lesson. And at the end of the day, the classmate is supposed to return it to the office and put it in the pigeonhole or whatever. And I didn't know you, but you were just randomly like, hey, can I follow you to the thing? <laughs> I'm like, uh, sure, you know, I don't mind the company. But it was such a, a, a like a random thing. And from there, our, I think our daily walks became <laughs> companionship. <laughs> and I don't think... I. I remember it differently because like, I think okay. we had to send exercise books or something. Or oh, maybe. Okay, so yeah. maybe in the in the middle... Because uh, you had a deputy class monitor. I don't think that would be me to go no, with but you I, for that. I'm pretty sure... Maybe, okay, maybe it started off with us doing other things and then you were just like, you also wanted to, yeah. like, you know... <laughs> Getting out of the classroom was nice. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <was> definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the second uh, thing that really stands out is you... I r- vividly remember you wanting to great weapons yeah that was <laughs> that was an interesting phase in my life. <laughs> you, you wanted to become an engineer and Make manufacture weapons. weapons of mass destruction <laughs> guns were cool like, <laughs> i think nerdy teenagers who don't have anything else like you know it was cool yeah, yeah coupled with the couple yeah just be closer right. yeah, yeah. coupled with the the star wars uh, <laughs> phenomenon i think that really bonded us I don't think too many other people were into Star Wars. Back <laughs> no, then. man. And you, the way we were into Star Wars was we were deep into Star yeah. Wars. Like, <laughs> I remember that that was the height of the Darth Bane uh, oh, yeah, novels yeah. coming out. <laughs> and then you were like, I'm going to save up my money. I'm going <laughs> to save it up. I'm going to get that Darth Bane. <laughs> and it's going to be a trilogy. I still don't have it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why I didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of how the friendship grew. And of course, as years went by, you left me in 1C, <laughs> 2C and whatever. <laughs> uh, you went on to the first class. and, and But we still remained very close. Yeah, and uh, post high school, through college, through work, we kind of always kept in touch. Mm. So it, I'm glad that you're, you're here. You're doing this with me. For um, the minus one episode, yeah. For the negative one episode. <laughs> hopefully more, hopefully more. Uh, <laughs> let's see how this goes. So yeah, the, the objective of this podcast, um, going back to that, that point of going back to that point where I, I, I explained that I don't consider myself a, a lawyer. lawyer, you know, as in I don't con- consider myself a lawyer with capital L, consider myself a lawyer, small L, you know, <laughs> I, I do enjoy the law, mm. I do like my work, but I don't think it's my meaning, <laughs> I don't think it's my purpose mm. in any sense of uh, imagination. So, you know, I thought, I, and I've always been even. Pre the podcast boom, I loved listening to con- uh, conversations. Mm. You know, people watch YouTube, they watch uh, people watching whatever you know the, the prank videos. Prank videos. Prank videos. <laughs> God knows how long. <laughs> you know, you had back in our day was I think PewDiePie. I think PewDiePie is still still up there. I might have missed that. Yeah, uh, there <laughs> was the the Ray what Ray William Johnson or the, oh yeah yeah you know, he's gone <laughs> he's gone he's dead but he was a big he was a big thing yeah he was big. And um, people were watching those those kind of things. Mm. Um, but I always loved uh, watching or listening to conversations. So I've been a big fan of late night shows mm. for a while now. And the podcast has been just, for me, it's been fantastic because it just expanded on what I already love. So I thought, who knows? Uh, since I like 
listening to conversations. Maybe I should try building conversations. And uh, call it that, yeah. <laughs> and just uh, to put it out there, this is probably going to suck. Uh, <laughs> Retrospect. Preempt people now. Yeah, let's just let's just put it out there. This is probably going to suck. <laughs> and looking back, we are going to probably say, yeah, this was sucky. But yeah, it's a negative one. It's not even <laughs> not even zero, not even one. It's negative one. So yeah, bear with us. If you if you hear this, you recognize us. Don't come up and talk to us about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend you never heard it. Yeah, yeah. Talk about our good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not mention this to our bosses. <laughs> let's let's keep this undercover, guys. Okay, that'll be the last. One. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to take a like a short break, and we're going to go into the main points that we want to discuss for today. But uh, we're taking a break now so that we can test that the sound sounds. You haven't figured out what's going to come in between. Are we going to cue music? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, some imaginary sponsors. <laughs> Today we're sponsored by. <laughs> we have friends parody those sponsors. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, okay. Nice. And we are back. All right. So, we've. Uh, checked out that first part our introduction um otherwise it seems to be okay but jeremy's a little bit more on the softer side <laughs> so hopefully this time around will be a little bit louder jeremy is just gonna uh, be closer to the mic and hopefully that'll make a, a bigger difference you don't want to kill people so i'll be here <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so maybe we, we we haven't decided what we'll put in that interval or whether it'll continue or You'll be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> we'll surprise ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did the introductions and now we are basically playing around with the format. We're not really too sure what we're going to do. I was thinking we, 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 would, we would identify a few pointers which we've done and we'll just bring it up and we'll discuss it and we'll see whether um, what, what happens from there. So the three things we want to talk about we were looking at things that are happen- happening to us now, that are relevant to us now, us individually. And we thought we'd have a discussion with it. And of course, the first and the biggest thing that's happening to not only us, but our country, the world, is the rise of the <laughs> pandemic, COVID, and the implications thereof. <laughs> and how it has fundamentally changed the way we live our lives now and uh, how it may affect the way we live our lives moving forward. It's not going away anytime soon. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. That's number one. Uh, number two, we want to talk about scholarships uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because in a weird way, we both are a little bit in the scholarship world. Not me so much, but Jeremy more because, I mean, he's going to talk about it, but me through my brother. And uh, so I've been kind of exposed to the maybe difficulties, the challenges of applying for scholarships. Mm. And last thing we're going to talk about, to- toxoplasmosis. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fun part. <laughs> That's the fun part. Let's see. Uh, bacteria that affects the mind. Uh, okay. Now, COVID. So, um, everyone knows uh, about COVID. COVID has come. It's taken over. Uh, we At this juncture, we have just ended, well, kind of just ended MCO. We are maybe two weeks into CMCO. Yep. And um, things are kind of getting back to some semblance of normalcy in the sense that people are going back to work, mm. kind of. And there's finally traffic. <laughs> there's traffic. Traffic is back. Uh, restaurants are open uh, with weird kind of... Me and Jeremy went for lunch with a friend. Um, they had X'd off certain spots. <laughs> um, but realistically... It's not going to help. It's really not going to help. <laughs> it's really not going to help. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, things like that. But we want to talk about, or I want to talk about the two kinds of people that have kind of emerged <laughs> from the chaos that is COVID. Now, the first group is the people who have, who are more, I would say, common. <clears throat> the people who have become ultra sensitive, hyper, hyper cautious. Mm. Um, people are genuinely afraid that end times are coming, <laughs> right? And we see yeah. these made worse by WhatsApp messages that are circulating oh, yeah. and things like that. And so um, we contrasted with the second group of people who have also been seized with some kind of hysteria where they are going around, okay, maybe not in Malaysia yet, but me and Jeremy know people who are like this. Yep. <laughs> I don't know whether we are not going to... No. No, we're not going to name drop, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but in the UK, you know, it, we see people burning down 5G towers and yeah. <clears throat> things like that, which is completely insane. We see people in America. But to be fair, I'm a bit skeptical with the way uh, reporting goes in America because it tends to be really biased. Uh, I mean, they, they've admitted that they are capturing a small minority. The people who show up at the governor's mansion with all their guns yeah. are probably not the majority of people. Poll after poll says it's like, I don't know, 60-80% of people agree with lockdowns. Yeah. So I don't think, yeah, even in Brazil where they have a crazy president who's, who has supporters out in the capital, you know, protesting the lockdown, I really think it's a minority. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th that's the problem in America because the country is so big and um, the media exposure is so large. Putting those two things together, a small minor minority can look huge. 1% mm. <laughs> of America, <laughs> right, is huge. Yeah. Millions, 1%. Yeah. Right. And so it's not a proper representation of the country as a whole. Mm. And you have a country that's so diverse in its thoughts. You know, <laughs> every state, you know, can be completely different. Yeah. So that's the challenge. So I wanted to get your thoughts, brother, on what you think about. Is there truth in either spectrum? Is the truth somewhere in the middle? Some people will say that. You know, I like to say that. My thought is usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, that's that's kind of my take. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't like to deal in extremes, even though I don't believe in moral relativism or anything like that. But sure. when it comes to information uh, and conduct, I generally feel that a moderate approach in the way we see things and do things is the best approach. What do you think? Do you think there's any truth? Do you think um, we're all going to die from COVID, or do you think <laughs> we're going to be? Do you think a tyrannical government is going to rise and totalitarian state uh, nation? Uh, <laughs> a uh, 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 world oh, world government yeah right. oh, world gosh. government is going to rise <laughs> in which Bill Gates is going to become a supreme ruler <laughs> and he'll be military his military force will be uh, Disneyland <laughs> Disney Corporation <laughs> I don't think I don't think it'll look like that it'd be more exciting if it was but it's probably not I don't know um, yeah I think a lot of it's been informed by like the way and us as Malaysians don't really get to play a role in how the US kind of portrays this. Mm. But I guess what's instructive is like the way the Iraq war mm. and the Syrian war actually played out in the media because, you know, there were dissenters, um, the governments, I mean, the US government did lie to people about certain things, certain aspects of those wars. Mm. And so that is, and I think we've grown up in an, in an age where 
that kind of uh, revision of the facts does come to us. Mm. And so we, I think people do view it with some skepticism. Mm. Um, but the question is, where does that skepticism go? There was an interesting like conversation I had uh, with a friend. Like, you know, she's saying that uh, in Italy, they are downplaying the, they're downplaying the numbers, mm. you know? And then, you know, there are people here who are saying, you know, people are, you know, jacking up the numbers. So if it, it was if it was a giant conspiracy, I think they would agree whether it goes up or down yeah. together or there'd be some kind of coordination. I don't think it's happening. So, okay. I agree with you completely in the sense that we cannot be too quick to dismiss conspiracy theories. Mm, yeah. Because there is uh, some basis of truth in some of them. Like, I was watching uh, a video, an uh, interview, and it, it this guy was a drug dealer in America, in the streets. Um, I think he was selling crack. This is the start of the crack uh, epidemic mm. in America. And what I was shocked to find out, as he was shocked to find out, find out after he was uh, in prison, was that the CIA was involved. This was <laughs> Reagan. Yeah. Right? So I think, just to paraphrase, uh, or just to summarize, basically what had happened was the Senate had stopped funding to fund certain CIA operations. Mm. And the CIA had to, were interested in, um, a con- the, it's called the Contra War. The Iran-Contra scandal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've just heard about this. I'm mind blown. <laughs> and basically, I think they needed, the mili- they needed a faction to oppose a certain faction which was controlled by the Russians. Okay, so... Uh that story that if I'm if I get the correct no we should delete this episode if I get the facts wrong well, we'll check no we, par- we we let's let's uh <laughs> you know we just put a cautionary statement this might not be true <laughs> we don't have a fact checker at the moment you should go home and check we don't have the resources <laughs> but but the scandal is legit yes that's what we can say the scandal is legit yeah right? yeah so the Iran contrast scandal as far as I can tell was uh, the CIA needed funds to fund the Contras. So the Contras were a right-wing paramilitary group. If I'm not wrong, in Guatemala or no, El Salvador? No, no, I think it's Ni- Nicar- okay, Nicaragua. Nicaragua, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so one of the Central African countries. So they had to fund these right-wing groups to oppose the communists. And so the only way they could get the funds was to sell arms to Iran yeah. so that they could get the money to fund the Contras to continue to kill communists. And, what's, and you might be interested to know that the Contras actually killed like plenty of like Catholic nuns and priests Damn. in the region. So you can read the pretty interesting history of like yeah. these left-wing like Catholic nuns and priests yeah. who are all slaughtered by the contrast. Damn, son. <laughs> and I think how the drugs uh, play into this is it was part of the washing the money process. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. But this was crazy. Mm. I mean, when we were growing up, if someone had said the CIA <laughs> are in the business of selling guns, uh, to foreigners and, and moving drugs around the and world. moving drugs you'll be like that guy's mad mm-hmm. but no it is not mad <laughs> it's legit so I'm not surprised if there are other things that are true but when it comes to COVID though um, I am more of the opinion that there just doesn't seem to be enough information across the board yeah and it seems like more just miscommunications. Well, not really miscommunication, but people acting on assumptions. Mm. And other factions join, uh, drawing uh, lines and dots and pulling things together, which 
really might not be true. <laughs> and the problem in this kind of scenarios is we can't substantiate anything. Yeah. And when you can't substantiate anything, you can't debate anything, you literally have an opponent whose ideas and assumptions you cannot challenge. Yep. They will never be beaten. <laughs> you know, because that's why the conspiracy side is a little bit more scary. Yeah. Cuz I mean there's a kernel to truth kernel of truth in whatever they say, yeah. but it cannot be fully disproven. Yeah. So the inability to be disproven true fully is the problem with it. Right? Yeah, and it's it's ultimate it's 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 very very uh difficult. Whereas with a person, for example, I'm sure your parents like my parents uh, <laughs> a lot of family members are into the sending WhatsApp and a lot of times they're sending wrong information. Yeah. You know, like the other day my mom told me I went to work and then she was like, you know, make sure you keep your shoes outside. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> even for me, uh I'm like I I immediate my immediate reaction is like, oh my goodness, you know, this is silliness. <laughs> But at the same time I'm like, what if she has what if, what if there's some truth to it? And then I also recognize that my parents have more to lose. Yeah. So for and for their peace of mind, I just do it. It's a simple thing I can do. It's mm. not a big deal anyway. <laughs> Uh, but the thing is, with those kind of situations, you can actually read up, research, and challenge, right? You can talk to doctors. You, you can get. You know, I don't know about that because I think there was a there was there were the I think the transition between between understandings is what gives people a lot of doubt. You know, mm -hmm. because uh, at first I think people said face masks would work. At first, then people said face masks don't work. Yeah. So I think a lot of the confusion might come from the fact that we are learning more and more. Yeah. And then what what makes it worse is that people use that as a point of doubt. The fact that we are understanding more over time. Yeah. They're just like, okay, that means that they don't know anything, which yeah, is a yeah. really dangerous attitude to have. Yeah. That basically that person would say, you what you say was wrong, so your credibility is gone. Gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not considering the fact that. Information is limited. You act on the information you get as you go along. Yeah, I I I get that. I get that. I get that. So how do we move forward? So what we are, I I feel that we're coming to where we are now is we're, we're basically saying like both factions. It seems that the reason why the hysteria is growing is because there doesn't seem to be a proper way to moderate them. Mm. There's no way we can. There's no accountability. Yeah, everyone is just kind of going on their own narratives. And you know, to be fair, right? Actually, this is a, a real good way to identify or to I don't know, to kind of how do I say this? You know, like uh, Carl Jung, he has this uh, saying. He says that um, you don't choose ideas; ideas choose you. Okay. You know, as in people have their own kind of biases and right, narratives yeah. built into them. And sometimes we think that, oh, we have come to this conclusion, <laughs> but actually the conclusion has already been in our minds from the beginning. Right. Same it's, same way why when you give when you hear a talk, it triggers you immediately, but it doesn't trigger another person. Mm. So the you can really tell the the type of persons they are from which idea triggers. They wanted to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just has their own narrative that they're yeah. peddling, right? And for I don't know about you, but for me, I find it difficult because I'm someone who kind of lives in the middle. So I'm listening to both. I'm like, oh, that might be true. That also might be true. Yeah. And in these circumstances where you can't find, in the past I could Google it and like fake news. You know, it's <laughs> easy. But now it's not. It's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult because we are learning more and like because it's progressing so fast. There's no way we know for sure. Mm. So 
I think people really struggle to live with that kind of uncertainty. The fact that this is something that, you know, they cannot fully like understand. Mm. They can't fully beat. There's no foolproof way to sort of like go about it. Mm. That, you know, people are beginning to like have that kind of hysterical moment because, yeah, like we just don't have control. Mm. And, and, you know, a lot of people would like to very much feel in control, especially if it's going to involve their lives. Yeah, that's another thing, control. Control is a big, big deal. Now, for the there have been groups of people who've hated being quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> they have hated being quarantined. <laughs> Even though they're privileged enough to be quarantined. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're talking with people about people who have decent houses, their salaries have not been cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, their employment is intact, but they just hate being at home. And I understand it, it might be uh, an innate human instinct to not be trapped. Yep. It might be even feeding into a deep fear of uh, being hunted. Mm. Right? It might. It might be yeah. triggering some uh, flight, fle- uh, flight, flight, what is it? Fight or flight kind of. Fight or flight reflex. It might yeah. be hearing that and so they're going insane. <laughs> Fair enough. But I mean, you do have a certain amount of extra responsibility as a human being with a working prefrontal cortex yeah. to regulate <laughs> your fear and yeah. be reasonable. And, and I think this really applies to these guys who've been burning down the 5G towers. And Look, <laughs> me and Jeremy know about this guy called David Icke. I want to talk about David Icke. <laughs> Let me just... I have my laptop with me. I just want to open up this guy's bio and I want to read. Okay, so because I, I'm more surprised... I first heard about David Icke and then I spoke to some of my cousins who are in the UK. And David Icke is a well-known dude. Mm, He's a well-known dude. And I think he had an interview with the BBC. They let him on the platform. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And he used to work in the BBC as a sports... He he was a sports anchor. That's his actual uh, background. He's a sports anchor. And a lot of the narrative involving the conspiracy in the UK... In my opinion, it seems to be fueled by David Icke. David Icke seems to be the ambassador. Yeah. Right. And oh, he's putting the threads all together because you can clearly find doctors who are, have different opinions on the lockdown, who have different opinions on the virus. Yeah. But I think he presents a narrative that we can link all of it to. Yeah. 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 Um, I was talking to my cousin um, who is a doctor and he said the problem with... Um, you see... <laughs> Like there are kernels of tr- for me there are kernels of truth in both extremes. I'm of the opinion that the virus is not as bad as people think it is. Yep. It is not like for example in my memory like SARS. Mm. When SARS came, if you got hit by SARS, you died. <laughs> yeah. Immediately, <laughs> right? And so they were. I remember it was crazy and people were freaking out. Yep. I think if I'm not mistaken, H1N1 was similar. I'm not too sure. I can't really recall H1N1. I'm anymore. not sure if they're the same virus anymore. They're definitely not. They're, they're not? definitely not. Okay. They're, don't, they're different viruses. Uh, but I don't know the fatality yeah. uh, rate of H1N1. But, but I know SARS was bad. We were really young when it happened. So like, we don't have a memory. Yeah, we would have been in high school. Uh, talking yeah. about Star Wars. And <laughs> <laughs> Dark not, n- not SARS. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we don't have to go to school. <laughs> I don't care. Um, so, so, I'm of the opinion that, look, it's a flu. It's mm. a type of flu. What the data seems to be, in my opinion, uh, from what I've read, it's people who are elderly and those with pre-existing conditions have to be worried. 
have to be cautious. But otherwise, you should be able to get it. It shouldn't affect you too badly. Yeah. Or at all, actually. Mm. But the problem was, people were getting it and were not being detected. Mm. So the only people who got detected were people with the with because it's asymptom uh, asymptomatic. Yep. So only the persons who really got affected by it were recorded as having COVID. Mm. And so it seemed like fatality and was high for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But then people realized that no, it's not. It's not actually. I mean, once they could bring testing capacity up, they could re- they would realize what the actual infection rate was, and yeah. it was below 1%, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, and the reason why it was moving so fast is just because it's a novel virus and we haven't had the time to build up immunity. Yeah. If you talk about the common flu and when the common flu first came to humankind, yeah. it would have had a similar uh, rate of infection. Mm. So, what what are we going to do moving forward? You know, <laughs> people are saying vaccines. I am really... Look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Not not at all. We all got vexed as kids, and mm. we are, well, as of now, we are fine. <laughs> but I I think that's fine. But yeah. but you you know how dangerous it is to rush a vaccine, not properly tested, administered to the public. Thirty years down the road, you could grow a third eye or <laughs> fifth. <laughs> we had this discussion over lunch, and I will take that third eye. <laughs> I happily take that third eye. <laughs> Just have to tell me where it is. <laughs> I'll prepare. <laughs> Dude, it'll come on some weird ass place like your 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 feet or something. It's gonna be oh, useless. That'd be useless. Love it. You know, I hope it's somewhere else. <laughs> so so um but I mean back to the vaccine and how long it'll take. Like yeah. I mean, people are saying it takes one to two years yeah. and there are headlines in the US that they want it out in the next like couple months. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really, be, really crazy. It's gonna be bad. And yeah. you bet they're gonna test it a on the poorest among us, yeah. the people who can least afford it. Yeah. And like, I mean, even if they were to pay volunteers, it's those who need the money more who yeah. take, take it. So for me, it seems more probable that herd immunity is the only, well, only way moving forward. Yeah. That means you slowly, cautiously, carefully expose people to it. Yeah. Expose the public to it cautiously <laughs> and let the public build immunity. Of course, that you need a disciplined public. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need people to report when they are, when they are, when it, when they, when they are. Uh, you know, the moment they show symptoms, they need to quarantine themselves. Right. And that's you need a degree of um, um, awareness, dis- uh, yeah, yeah, discipline, and an understanding of the severity of the the situation. Yeah. Um. So, in that sense, I agree. Um, I agree with. Those no, those are kind of the solutions proposed by the the ones who believe that this is a conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, this is what they are advocating, and I agree with what they are ad- they are advocating for. I just don't agree how they got into yeah got the, to that that conclusion. It's all sorts of things like the virus is fake. Yeah. The the most interesting one I've heard is that like with okay wait sorry can I just read this David Ike? Go so ahead. Da- David Ike is fueling this whole thing. Uh, this is why okay. This is what he believes. This is from Wikipedia. So I might be wrong, but you know, there are footnotes here so you can, can double check it. Ike believes that the universe is made up of vibrational energy and consists of an infinite number of dimensions that share the same space. He claims that an interdimensional race of reptilian beings called the Archon or Anunnaki Fantastic have, name though. <laughs> yeah, beautiful <laughs> name. Uh, have hijacked the Earth. And that a genetically modified human archon 
hybrid race of shape-shifting reptilians known as the Babylonian Brotherhood, the Illuminati or the Elite, manipulate global events to help keen humans to help keep humans in constant fear. Thus, the archons can feed off the negative energy this creates. I think those archons had had do like decades of testing <laughs> to know that they could feed off fear. Like, I don't. This is this is right off a a, a fantasy novel, <laughs> and people say, "Oh, that's a you, you can't you know that doesn't uh, remove the credibility of his arguments yeah. that stand by itself." But for me, it does. Yeah. <laughs> what you say about the rest of wo- the world feeds into what you believe. Yeah. Right. And. I would rather believe doctors, the <laughs> common general consensus among doctors, than this dude. I mean, because he doesn't have any qualifications to do this, but he he can claim a lot of like very circumstantial stuff. Like he claims to have heard from some like anonymous like government person who's told him a whole story about it, mm. and we'll just never be able to prove it because privileged information, right? You'll yeah. never know if this source is real, if he just made it up, yeah, or you know, it's something in between. He heard an actual story and then fudged the details. You yeah. never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, I have friends who, even though the restrictions have been eased, refuse to come out of their house except for work. Yeah. And that's crazy to me as well because for me, like like I said just now, what's your end game? Yeah, you can't do it forever, right? <laughs> you can't do it forever. And... You know, there are other implications to that if you advocate for that position because that basically means you want the government to, you know, you want the government to have more control than I think they should. Mm. Th- there's a strong, strong argument that this is a dangerous time because we're giving too much of power yeah. to the government. Like one of the, some people mentioned that, oh, South Korea, South Korea was a great example. They, they, they didn't do quarantine, they did social distancing uh, and they got the numbers down. But, South Korea, from my understanding, they also implemented like a chip tracking method. I think it was linked to their phones, phones or something. Yeah. Exactly. So there was a story, but this is not, I don't think this is South Korea, but like Wuhan. Oh, like, okay. I think they had uh, this guy who was supposed to be in quarantine. He left. He, he left his room for maybe, he just had just left his room to go and get food. Yeah. The police got to him before he reached the shop. That's crazy. Yeah. So they're tracking it actively. And they have the capacity. I think even in Malaysia, they probably would be able to bring this online fairly quickly if they wanted to. Okay. Now, this is where... Okay. I think those who burn 5G towers are, 5G towers are mad. <laughs> I think they're going too far. Yeah. But I think the people on the other spectrum are taking things too easy. I don't think Malaysians really understand the dangers of giving the state too much of power. Yeah. It is extremely, extremely dangerous. Now, I think this is a problem specific to Malaysia because of because we have an IC mentality. Uh, in, the sense, in the sense that the, we take for granted that, you know, we are so used to government issuing us an IC and us carrying it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that actually came about through the communists. The, yeah, the emergency. And the all emergency. That, yeah. So there are a lot of implications that happen from that era the issuance of IC to track people, um, our pondo, security pondo, mm. the guard houses. Um, yeah, and and also, of course, most famously, ISA. Yeah. Right, ISA also came about from there. And so, we have, I think, kind of internalized a, 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 a very strong state that regulates. 
Yeah. And I fear that we we are more easily susceptible to the the next thing, which is them tracking us. Now, why is that so bad? It is an Orwellian nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> your your government knowing everywhere you go mm. what you do? Yeah. And we don't have the most noble of government officials, <laughs> right? Yeah. They are not <laughs> well known for their integrity. <laughs> do you really want those people knowing where you go? You know what the implications are. Something unjust happens. Uh, let's say, uh, let's say there's a certain party, uh, party, uh, party ikan, <laughs> right? Just become party, right? <laughs> party ikan, um, and uh, and party ikan, ikan, <laughs> party ikan has taken over the state through some unscrupulous method, lah. Right, right. Taken in control, and. You know, okay. Let's just forget Pakistan. Let's take take the the scenario we have now. Right. Uh, Pakatan Harapan broke apart. Perikata National took over. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of constitutional problems with the current status quo. A lot. Yep. This is uncharted terrain. Mm. A lot of weird stuff is going on. Now, even with the MCO, they have kind of suspended Parliament in a way. They had one sitting. No debates. Yeah, just so it wouldn't dissolve. Yeah, just so it, w- it wouldn't dissolve because the constitution provides that you have to have that that sitting. Yeah, so they had to. If not, the government would not be valid. Mm. But then they didn't have any debates. That is crazy. Yeah, that <laughs> is crazy. It's legal, but you know, pretty immoral to yeah. some extent. Yeah. yeah, because you, how can you say that you're worried about um, about COVID, but you can still gather people? They're already there. Yeah, why not just continue it? At least for that one day. <laughs> exactly. And you're telling me you can't... It's not that many people. <laughs> it's not that many people. Or even if there is, I think it's so important that you could just have them be tested like right before and right after. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. That's what I mean. There's, it's not so many people. You can easily put in protocol Yeah. to have proper social distancing. Mm-hmm. They are normally sitting down. They're not sitting... They're shoulder to shoulder Shoulder anyway. to shoulder. Yeah. You know, it, it shouldn't be an issue. So... In my opinion, okay, I'm not going to say <laughs> Wait, I, this. Is, this will be seditious. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying that a like, lot of things are in question. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying, what I can say is this. When you have a state that has already taken, have quarantined people to their houses, the normal separation of power dictates to avoid a dictatorship, which none of us want, which our forefathers never wanted. Yep. We are a parliamentary uh, uh, d- dem- democracy. Okay, a dictatorship, totalitarian state runs opposite to that. If you are going to infringe on people's rights, then there needs to be accountability by the other branches of uh, power. Oh, that will be hard though. <laughs> I, I mean, technically, the bare minimum, sh- parliament should be able to sit and yeah. discuss. And if you cut that, it, at this time especially, it's, it's horrible. So now, I take it one step further. Let's say they've uh, upgraded our ICs so that our ICs are communicating to some big computer in, in Putrajaya. Mm. They are able to track us. Now, Jeremy is a socialist. He's <laughs> upset. <laughs> All right? His individual freedoms, liberties are... are, are, are being curtailed. Are yeah. being curtailed. He's like, the government shouldn't know where I'm going. The government shouldn't be going... Should be tracking the, me visiting all my multiple girlfriends. <laughs> right? I have girlfriends everywhere. <laughs> I have girlfriends everywhere. That's really generous. I want to spend my time with them. Individually, I don't want... 
them to have a way of knowing my girlfriends. I don't want them leaking information to my girlfriends <laughs> so that my girlfriends know the existence of my other girlfriends and all of that. All right? And so he's angry and so he decides to protest. All right? You gather all your friends, you go to Merdeka, Datan Merdeka. On your way there, because they can track your IC, they, they send police officers, stop you, send you back home. You know, that's the scary thing when you give too much of power to the state. And it's, if they are willing to bend the rules with parliament sittings, what is to stop them from bending the rules with other, other things? I mean, that's an interesting argument, but I think I had a discussion with a friend sure. about when to sort of take action. Mm. Because governments have always have, have had this kind of unrealized potential. Yeah. Right? The potential for more force, more surveillance has always been there. Mm. Right? And to some extent, because there is a social contract, we live in a we live in a world where we even if we even if some people don't want, some people do want. And the reality is some people, some of us will just have to continue to live with states. Mm. And so just because there is the potential for them to do something until they've done it, you can't really say that they've crossed their line into tyranny or totalitarianism. Mm. You know, because it's it's just not the same, mm. right? Because you we accept these technologies into our lives because it gives us a certain level of convenience, knowing or unknowingly, whether we're socially pressured into getting a cell phone, you know, that's all up for debate. But the fact that this potential has not been acted upon yeah. in the same way is reason enough for us to just like wait and see, you know? Mm, mm, mm. I mean, because whenever it comes to like even the US, mm. the civil activists, I mean, sorry, civil society has sort of pushed back mm. when they really wanted, when the law was explicit that they wanted to act upon it. They mm. wanted to make it legal for the phone companies to give, you know, law enforcement your phone records mm. without a warrant. Mm, mm, mm. So it's those kind of things that are worth protesting. Mm. But us imagining the scenarios mm. may not be worth acting upon just yet. Mm, mm, mm. So you're saying that let's not be motivated by fear and let's wait for actual infringement for us to act? I mean, because one, if there's an official announcement that they want to open the channels for infringement, mm. uh, that's reason to act. Mm. The other thing is they may not announce it, mm. but if you have credible cases of them infringing, then that's reason to act. Mm. Until they have, you're just, you know, you're just attacking a straw man that you've created of them. Because mm. they'd be like, we didn't do anything. You can't prove we've done anything. So sure, sure, sure. Yeah, you can't yeah. do much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, this, this crisis has given us way too much time to think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think we've always thought about these things. I mean, you and me have. To some extent, yeah. But I think people forget that the state could have always done this. And so... The, could they do? Could yes. they have? I think now there's... Now, I think the only real difference is that there's new justification. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and people are on top of the justification, people are actually willing to put up with it. I mean, there's some scenarios where people aren't. Yeah, to be fair, I remember a few, maybe a year ago, the KL were planning to install like crazy amount of cameras. Yeah, yeah. And there was a debate about it, but people didn't seem too disturbed by it. In I, fact, people were of the position like, oh yeah, you reduce crime and all that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think because civil society here, like the history of Malaysia and civil society has been a very strange one. I think one part of it is it's an Asian culture where we respe respect hierarchies and authority. I'm not sure if it's that. I think that's that that sort of that look, sort look, of mentality is actually a function of 
the Cold War that played out in all the colonies. Mm, yeah. yeah. But I mean, no, think about it. Even now, I was just thinking about it. Why do we call our our state and uh, parliament representatives, our Adun and everything, YB, you know, like Yang Bahamut? Like, I don't, you know, like, I just feel it kind of... I think that that constant, like, title calling and yeah. all that is does does reinforce this kind of culture. Yeah. I think we are unique insofar as that we are still a monarchy. Yeah. There is still a remnant of this past. Yeah. But I think in other, like, but you can't make that case for other Asian republics like um, South Korea or Singapore. There, there, I would think this sort, this this kind of like. But that's the bleeding of ideas from the West. Traditionally, mm. there's. I think the main difference between Western countries and Asian countries, there's a very um, different approach. Western countries have always kind of uh, emphasized the individual, whereas Asian countries have always. Uh, um, advocated for the the group, the collective, the yeah. collective. Yeah, I mean, sure. we can see it in Japan, for example. You know where they work, their work ethic is very much those of working bees and working ants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a collective hive working yeah. together in union, and of course, it boosts productivity, increases efficiency, and whatsoever. But the individual is lost uh, in the process. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get that. That sounds. That sounds very like general. Like it sounds yeah, I mean it's like a, pretty it's, sweeping. Yeah, of course. To some extent. Yeah. I think capitalism has atomized all these states almost equally. Sure. It but the difference to me yeah. is what the Cold War did to those civil societies. Yeah. And for us, uh I mean in Malaysia's case, mm-hmm. because of uh because of the Malayan emergency, it wasn't just the communists that got wiped out, but the labor left. You know, mm-hmm. the Labour Party, all that. So we didn't have the same kind of civil society Mm. to sort of push back and guard these interests. Mm. Civil society, I mean, we think that civil society exists because some of us have interacted with it, you know. Mm. I'm in an NGO. I know of people who work in NGOs. But the strength of civil society is more hinged on how much the masses, I mean, regular people respond to civil society when they call for action. Mm. You know, when they call to protest a war or certain legislation. I mean, the biggest, the biggest we've seen is Bursay. Bursay, yeah. Yeah, and that is something that our generation experienced. I don't know... Before that. No, yeah, I don't, I don't recall too many of like our parents or people who are older than us of recalling the reformacy era with any kind of real yeah. like mass appeal. So I think there's the weakness of civil society mm. being a function of Cold War repression mm. is why we ended up in this situation. I tend not to think about it in terms of like us being Asian and that's why. Yeah. But I think it has more to do with the West sponsorship of all this kind of suppression. Yeah, and specifically in Malaysia, we we don't really have a protest culture. No, we don't. Um, I, I think that me, I mean, I don't really want, I think... I don't want to go into this too much because we can save it for another... Yeah, another, to get back to COVID yeah, at we some have point. <laughs> no, I think we can move on to other stuff. <laughs> but, um, but I also do, do think that kind of ties into uh, May 13 because May 13 kind of basically started with a, a bad protest, a protest that... Not really a... Pro- uh, well, a mass gathering that went wrong. And I think that kind of have, had massive repercussions and that's when the IAC was re- re- reinforced again. Depends who you believe there's a conspiracy about that ah, too. The <laughs> narratives are, are insane. Uh. I mean, it's so hard to... I you know I really don't know. Hopefully one day we'll find out. I don't know. Hopefully, I, hopefully. I think, in the, I think in the special branch records... There's a book I want to read uh, by this guy who apparently released uh, documents, but I, 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 I can't... Is it Kwa Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
So yeah. he his theory was that he was the one who first kind of pushed forward that narrative that it was a conspiracy. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do you have the book? I do have the book. Let me borrow it from. You. <laughs> uh, I haven't read it. Though. <laughs> okay. I've heard his lectures. <laughs> also, there I just yeah, there's books upstairs I have to give you. Dostoevsky. There are some others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandwicks. Okay. Mm, anyway, yeah. so back to it. <laughs> um. And also, I think there were protests. I I, rem- I remember reading there were protests for NEP uh, when NEP came out, but I don't hmm. think it was anything big. Yeah. Um, because I think the, s- the state was pretty powerful, but I think the it was built off the backs of the British trying to make sure that colonial inf- I'm sorry, communist influence didn't spread past this bo- these borders. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, this is an, another whole discussion. So I think we just conclude this point on COVID uh, yeah. by saying that, you know, there seems to be kernels of truth in both sides. Both sides. Yeah. We definitely need to be cautious of giving too much of power to the state. But I think one thing I will note is that I think, and something I heard even Jomo say, like some people these days have gone the other way. They read one article and they think they're an expert. Yeah. In the same way, like people watch the Olympics and think, you know, I know how diving works. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I've seen two people dive. <laughs> so you, as much as we want to use our critical faculties, sure. there are things that we just will not be able to comprehend, like and the it, medical stuff. It goes back to that control. Yeah. You know, we can't control everything. It's yeah. an illusion to think that you can you can control anything. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop reading. We shouldn't try. Yeah. And that's why I think as soon as the government takes these kind of illegal actions mm. in a, in more concrete ways, yeah. that is reason to act. Until mm. then, it's unrealized potential. Okay, okay. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Um, okay, I, on, I mean, to be fair, and also t- on the other side, you know, the, hysteri- the hysteria involving the, the virus itself, there needs to be an objectivity. <laughs> this, it's so easy to peddle this narrative of the end times are coming. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going to die. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for. Say goodbye to your kids. And, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not sure who's waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. But, uh, you know, yeah. Okay, that's that's the COVID part. Uh, good discussion. I liked it. Yeah. Nice. It went into a lot of different areas. Yeah. Which is what I love. That's what I was going for. Is it still recording? Yeah, it's still recording. Okay, that would have been bad if we were not recording. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now, next. Uh, scholarships. Fun uh, part. <laughs> fun part. So, um, yeah, my brother Christian is applying for scholarships. He's gotten a few offers to do his doctorate. Hmm. And he's have, he's been having some problems. Uh, I mean, uh, one, I think he'll be okay with me saying this, but he he, tri- he tried for Kazana. And, um, Before you continue, did he try any of the Oxford internal scholarships? I bet he had, right? Um I, okay, I'm not too sure, but I know he's been in contact with Oxford. So yeah. what happened was, okay, I think I, I shouldn't say too much, but but basically Oxford, Oxford did reach out to him and had offered him, they said like, you know, have you tried for a particular Malaysian scholarship? Yeah. And they don't mind uh, pushing yeah, pu- pushing for it, for mm-hmm. him to get it. So in that way, I think he's been in contact with Oxford because he said Oxford reached out to him. Right. The faculty reached out to him and said, you know, there's this scholarship, you know, we can put your name in for name in for it. Then sure. Like, okay, sure. I don't want to say the scholarship just because I don't know you who's going to listen to this and whose parent is going to be. <laughs> or when we'll upload this. Yeah, <laughs> with the scholarship. I don't know. Anyway, right. just to be safe. But of course, uh, he did, he, applied, he He looked at Kazana and he, he, he didn't get in past the, the objective assessment. And I think <laughs> he had a problem with the, the, 
personality test. The I mean, so they had a couple tests. I think it was the personality test and the the work culture test. Yeah. Right. So I think he had problems with with both personality. You think so? And work. Yeah, I think. I, because but, they're but, not going to mail but, you the results, so you're just going to have to guess. <laughs> he felt. I think he said he felt it was a personality thing, but and so I was talking to you, and you have also applied. Yeah. Uh, and but your approaches, both of you, you so didn't get it, right? No, I didn't. Uh, so both yeah. didn't get it, but your approaches were different, and I was just fascinated by the two different approaches. And I I've spoken with many of my friends over the years, and they've had similar problems where the questions are tilted. <laughs> uh, to a certain direction. Maybe you yeah. can you just explain your 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 experience. Yeah. So I mean, uh, when you apply for the Kazana scholarship, the first round is a grueling like um, math. I think it's math and English, math and comprehension test. Yeah. Which was hard. Yeah. And you think, okay, it, I mean, the next round was easier because it was more fun. But like, I didn't think much of it really. But you know, I was surprised because Putri, our friend, our mutual friend Putri. Always told us that the objective assessment was easy. Uh, or, or maybe, am I mistaken? Maybe, maybe she's more. She's saying that more in retrospect. She told me the <laughs> math test was hard because she's a lawyer. And all <laughs> <that>. <laughs> or maybe it was slightly easier back in the day. I think it's. I don't know. I have a feeling it's the same test. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Fair enough. So um, after that, you do again the personality and the work culture test. So I have, in the same way, I have probably two theories about the two possible reasons why I didn't get it. Mm. One. For the personality test, they're just looking for alphas, mm. you know. Mm. Like I think that in in corporate culture, there is this idea that we're looking for leaders. Yeah. This manic notion that everybody has to be a leader. Yeah. Like then who's going to be your follower? follower who's like, going to be like, that makes no sense. There's nothing wrong with being a beta. You need a good beta. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are persons with. <clears throat> they did. Um. Uh. I like to watch, uh, or read stuff about. Uh, um. What do they call it? Like human behavior. Uh, archetypes. Uh, uh, no, no archetypes. Um. Uh, Human, well, basically they study animals and, and look at, okay. uh, you know, human behavior. I mean, there's a lot of controversy around it. But I think the science ha- has become really good as well, to a certain degree. Because you kind of see um, certain human, like, you know, for example, uh, chimpanzees, uh, the alpha, um, goes around uh, kissing infants, right? Okay, as, as, I didn't know that. But yeah, I, yeah, as a show of um, affection and whatever, uh, benevolence and whatever. <laughs> okay. And we see it in our politicians. <laughs> you okay. see it in our politicians when they kiss babies. And if you think about it, that's such a, such a weird thing to do. This, this we could probably, we should probably do a separate podcast on because <laughs> like the yeah, link yeah, between yeah, yeah, human yeah. biology and other biology yeah, is yeah, separate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think uh, the point is, what they did is, what some of these um, uh Jane Goodall types, what they do is they examine certain areas. So the one guy I was looking into, um, what's his name? Robert Spalski, I think that's his name. His specialty is stress. And looking at the different types of animals in the hierarchy and looking at their stress levels. Right. Cholesterol levels, etc. Okay. And what he found were alphas were extremely unhealthy. They were high in stress, <laughs> high in cortisol, high in cholesterol. Whereas the betas... Or the, because the betas are more friendly, because they have to be they have to be less aggressive. Yeah. So they're doing more grooming, uh, you know, chilling more, you know, and things like that. And they tended to be uh, less stressed out, more healthy, etc. It's quite interesting. I mean, that's in a chimpanzee setting. I don't know whether it applies in <laughs> the human setting, but that's another discussion. Yeah. But yeah, definitely the alpha. We do have a, a alpha mania. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in corporate culture. Type A, type B, alpha. I, I don't know if they categorize it that way. 
Um, some people do, yeah. Some people do. Some people do, and I can imagine like if you're if if you're the corporate guy, you just you're just looking for a metric, right? You haven't met the person, yeah. and you have to filter like hundreds or thousands of candidates. You're looking for a metric to to kick people off a list, yeah. right? And so this could be one of them. I don't know. And I and I wasn't so inclined to be like hard headed. Like that's just not me. I'm just not somebody who's gonna argue with you till I win. You yeah. know, if I think you deserve to win, I'll let you win, lah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's possibly why, because Kazana is probably like a pretty high stress environment. I hear people are working nonstop. So mm. I imagine they want people who are going to survive that kind of work culture. Sure. Yeah. So that's one reason. Yeah. The but even Christian, he was telling me, he told me some of the questions. Um, I can't remember what, all the questions he told me, but like the one that really stood out that we both thought was extremely silly was um, the national kind of questions. So for example, he got a question. Do you think that Malaysia is one of the better countries in the world? I didn't get that. Yeah, one of the better countries in the world, or something along something like that, like one of the best. No, sorry, is Malaysia one of the best countries in the world? Now, how do you answer that? <laughs> <laughs> Should I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what do you say? I mean, we love. We can love our country and not think that it's great. Yeah, I mean, you want to go down a list of metrics. We're probably not number one. <laughs> yeah. But you can kind of know what answer. They I mean, want. logically, you know yeah. what answer they want, <laughs> right? And so then you are at a, a juncture where it's an ethical problem. Then, yeah, like, do I answer honestly, or I need <laughs> that scholarship? It's you know, to, if you need a scholarship, you need a scholarship. It means that you've been accepted to a good place. Yeah, the only thing stopping you is money, <laughs> right? And yeah. this is it. It's gonna make a big, big difference in your future. Yeah. Right in the long run. So, are you willing to suspend your ethical beliefs? I, I mean, for people who who, for whom the me the ends justify the means. Yeah. Some people might, but I thought you know if they're going to put me through this test and I answer dishonestly. Yeah. I'm going to still work out work for a company who expects these things. Yeah. Right. They're still going to expect you to. Think Malaysia is the best. Yeah. Uh, and I'll get into the the work culture questions in a bit. But I thought to myself, like, if I'm going to answer dishonestly, it's not going to make a difference because I'm just not going to be able to put up with the work there anyway. Yeah, but you know, that's really a great uh, mentality. I mean, not to put on anyone who answers uh, otherwise, I can get it's like a, a pretty tough. Uh, I will say I in like there's there's scenarios where I will lie about things if I think it's worth it. Yeah. Or fudge the truth if I think it's worth it. Yeah. But this is not one of those situations. <laughs> no, because for you personally, it's not like you are uh, well-to-do. No. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're earning decently well, right? But you're not like, we are no sons of... Uh, <laughs> no, we are no... Tycoons. S- yeah. <laughs> no, not by... Or big shot lawyers or anything. <laughs> no, nah, man. Not not by any stretch of the imagination. We, we are pretty middle class. Yeah. And you have... Your dream that you've been pursuing for many years now has always been to further your studies. Yeah. You know, this is something that you've had since... I, I, I don't know whether you've had it since college or whether mm. post-college. I think post-college. post-college. Post-college, you've had it. You have tried different things. You've applied different places. You have uh, had a lot of letdowns. Yeah. But you've never given up on pursuing that dream. Mm. So for me, for you to still kind of stick by <laughs> those rules, I thought you would just be like, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm convinced that there are other ways to get it. And yeah. there, are, there are ways to get it that won't involve me sort of like, I don't know if I'll call them principles, but mm. like, yeah, I just, 
yeah, maybe it's time to get into the work culture stuff because mm. um, those questions, I don't know if your brother spoke to you about those, but mm. like those questions involved you like uh, basically tackling moral kind of problems mm. where like, let's say you find your, your co-worker slacking off. What yeah. do you do? Yeah, he did uh, tell me those kind of questions. I was like, can I just let him slack off? Uh? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the owner of the company, <laughs> right? Am I supposed to be a moral police officer <laughs> for you? What the heck? Yeah. So, I mean, like, they would ask questions like, basically, do you love the company? And I'm like, oh, would you love the company? And my answer is no. La. I don't know. I don't, and I don't believe that, you know, that, that interesting American line corporations are people. Yeah. You know? So, I wasn't willing to go and rat people out. Like, there were, there were some slightly more interesting ones. Like, you caught, like, your employee basically stealing or mm. a version of stealing something. Not, not, it wasn't a physical thing. I think it was software or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what are you going to do? So I tried to, I tried to pick, a co- a, pick an answer that I didn't completely side with the corporation. But, sure. I, but this person, you know, should be, should be su- subject to some kind of legal recourse. La. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, when it comes to, that's an interesting question. Should, would you love your company? <laughs> now, there's only going to be two kinds of answers to that. There's going to be the group of people who genuinely will say, yes, I'm going to love the company. Yeah. <laughs> and I really don't know. You know, I, I don't know. This is a bit of a general, generalization, but it seems like a very naive answer to me. Sure, yeah. <laughs> because if you really think that your life is going to boil down to you loving the company, you're willing to sacrifice everything. This just To me, it just seems really like a shallow answer. <laughs> right? Uh, the second group of people that are going to answer yes are people who are manipulating the test. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. think they're manipulating the test. Yeah. Either way, as an employer, I wouldn't want either <laughs> one of them. I don't want someone naive. I would actually maybe tilt towards the manipulative person because yeah. the guy is smart enough to you know <laughs> answer. But either way, it's not really a good indication of. So my thought is, they Kazana themselves would not want robots who are like blindly loyal. You yeah. know. So you think they're looking for people who answer no to loving the company? I would think. I actually don't know what's behind these yeah, metrics. Yeah, yeah, we can never know. But but it's possible that within the analytics, they like they'd have something. They you would stand out as an outlier. Yeah. And they would. I don't know if they want this. Have a measure of how honest you might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather than everybody, because if let's say there were perfect answers and mm. you hit all the perfect answers, mm. there's something wrong. Because <laughs> this is not a math test. This is a personality test. Yeah. To expect these kind of like drones to walk in, I don't know. I wouldn't be comfortable working with these people because they'd either be super compliant mm. or they are bloodthirsty. <laughs> Do you think a company would function better with outliers in the ranks? I like mean, you said just now, you would need like followers, betas, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine being, I mean, I think I'm a better follower than a leader to be honest. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think every, yeah. I mean, maybe... An interesting answer, yeah. Interesting answer is you need a mix, right? Because yeah. there there are situations where you can step up, yeah. and there are situations where you have to be fine to take orders. Because there are people whose egos are hurt yeah. when they take orders, which is insane. Because who starts at the top? Yeah. <laughs> or if everybody is trying to pull them, everyone's trying to fight for the alpha. I mean, it's some people think that's good. Some people think that if everybody's clawing their way to the top, yeah. the best reach the top. Yeah, that's right? yeah, that's kind of a. The survival of the fittest makes the yeah. whole group stronger. <laughs> and honestly, I think yeah. that's a trend that's gonna that thought process is coming back strongly because we've kind of gone through a like sort of revolution in the sense that people have been more and more advocating for a more holistic, uh, compassionate work structure. Sure. But I think 
the aggressive work structure is going to come back and one of the reasons why is because of that documentary uh the last dance the michael jordan documentary on netflix have you watched it no i haven't i heard about it yeah there's a lot of hype about it but it is a very uh one sided not i don't know what it is one sided like michael jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time okay why uh one is talent uh two is work ethic mhm three a extreme competitive drive <laughs> okay he wants to beat everybody in a team sport <laughs> he made a team sport a individual sport <laughs> all right his approach is i'm either going to win as a team or i'm going to win by myself wow okay and there were times it looked like he won by himself <laughs> shit okay no it's michael jordan was insane he was just crazy he, he you know why he was he became so freaking famous and popular he he made a basketball american basically a, a american basketball game a national sport mm-hmm. he by himself right and it's because he had this almost god like kind of uh, persona in the sense that it seemed like he had no limitations okay he had like a hulk like power he just needed someone to piss him off <laughs> and he would come back with a vengeance okay you think he's tired say something at him he will come back harder and no i think basketball the average you average your when you okay i'm not a basketball player at any time but like i said i've always loved listening to talks so i've heard michael jordan talk a lot right and he would the first few i think a lot of his seasons he averaged like 50 uh that means he's netting 50 balls a game that's a lot that's it's a lot and consistently mind you consistently <laughs> okay uh, whereas i think the normal average is like about 15 you know so he he was it's insane the way he played uh but in that work ethic um he destroyed a lot of people mm. he destroyed a lot of people there are many uh, so the interview kind of uh, brings of course they kind of romanticize <laughs> his yeah. competitiveness right so like one point the interviewer is like do you think you being so competitive because at practices he would shout push uh bring people down push them push them there, there there was one where uh one of the basketball players who had just come in 6 months jordan had been pushing him so much i okay so basically what happened was uh jordan was pushing him a lot then the coach phil jackson had kind of thought he thought that jordan was going too far so he started started doing things to side the other player started giving fouls right to the to the other to to jordan because he had been touching the player then jordan really went all out and fouled the guy so you're talking about really pushing pulling <laughs> grabbing okay. right this guy just got up punched him in the chest punched Oof. jordan in the chest jordan uh uppercut uppercut oh, <laughs> the eye or something like that Damn. and then jordan just then phil jackson's like get out and jordan walks out and then he says he messed up so then the interview was like do you think your drive has tarnished your good guy reputation because his reputation is very clean very clean okay he doesn't talk about politics he only preserves his brand right and so they romant- romanticize the thing in 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 that he says like you know i'm just there to win the game and that's all i wanted and you know anyone could have left and i just he starts crying okay he starts crying <laughs> so he kind of like becomes really emotional um and i think this 
is hailing back to a new, uh, re- bringing back that old mentality. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I don't think it's bad, but like there is an obsession. I mean, the using the word leader, yeah. like it really means anything anymore yeah. is, is a bit odd because like every corporation is look, like, they call their management training programs leadership programs, yeah. right? But how much of that is really like leadership? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But like with this Jordan scenario, it's basically hailing back to this type of we need to win at all oh, times. Yeah. And I'm going to destroy you to make you stronger. If you don't perform, you're out. Yep. There's no place for compassion here. There's no <laughs> place for it. You are in or you're out. If you're not performing, you're dead. Right? And he would... Dis- and he was... All the players say he was basically a demon. <laughs> right? But right. at the same time, you have to reconcile it with him being the greatest of all time. Yeah. I mean, as a, this is, I mean, the society cur- currently as it stands does reward these kind of people because, yeah. you know, all those investment bankers that are making like hundreds of millions, mm. they're all like, they're all sharks, mm. you know, they're all going to kill anyone to get, yeah, you know, their sure. hundreds of millions. I mean, Elon Musk is the same way. Uh, I heard Elon Musk fires people left, right, center. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could just be a bit pissy that day, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you compress it, compress Pair it or contrast it with corporations like, I don't know, Google, Facebook have that uh, image. Less so now, but especially early on, they had a very like, you know, we're a family. Yeah. We have sleep pods and bicycles <laughs> and ice cream bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is there is a bit of that. I mean, that comes, but that that that's more associated with like the kind of more liberal PC kind of culture that mm. is associated with Silicon Valley. La. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in other in on Wall Street, it's totally the you know Michael Jordan social Darwinism kind of stuff. Mm. Here, here I imagine it's not that bad, mm. but a kernel of it seeps true mm. The idea that you know we should all be leaders mm. in some way, and I'm like, I just don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, everyone should give it their all. Yeah, but I don't know whether I mean obsessiveness though. Mm-hmm. It's another thing. In what sense? Like Michael Jordan and even Kobe Bryant, they talk about being obsessed with the game. Yeah. And I I don't know whether that's a step too far. You know, I don't know that's a step too far. But you know, like Michael Jordan, right? After after he retired, you know, the dude is, he's really, I, I'm so, okay, I'm so amazed by him. At the same time, I recognize he's an asshole. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I just, you know, it's astounding to see that level. But after a few years of him, uh, he's retiring, they have the, the, NBA Wall of Fame or, or you know the Hall of Fame or something Hall of Fame, yeah. Hall of Fame. and so he goes up he gets inducted and then he gives a speech his speech is amazing because he just start he, it's basically a rant he talks about all the people who had like he calls wronged it like, him? yes basically <laughs> he, he calls it adding logs to the fire Oof. dude he talks about a guy in college who who he didn't make the cut and this guy got in. He flies that guy to this award, oh my this God. ceremony. He talks about that guy and he <laughs> says that, you know, all these years I wanted to show... This, I mean, not he says everybody dude from his childhood up to him playing the game. Oof. So he talks... But this guy is the funniest because, <laughs> <laughs> because the camera pans to this guy oh my God. and this guy is just like smiling. He is like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> I, I don't think he was... I mean, I'm sure he wasn't warned, so he just had to keep smiling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, gosh. So it's pretty I'd hate to be that person. Though. 
gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, but that level of obsessiveness. Mm. I don't know whether corporations. I I don't know, man. I really don't it's know. I don't think it's that bad here. Yeah. But it's it looks it looks similar on the surface. Right? You, they want be, they want be, you to love the company. <laughs> It'll be curious to see if Kazan what how Kazana what what's Kazana's um you know the, what kind of people they're looking at getting into because Kazana is a good. It is a good company. It's a good company. It's going to pay you pretty well. Kazana, do you want to come on? Do you want to talk about your... <laughs> do you I don't think they're going to pay you off. <laughs> they'll, be giving away, have you. they'll be giving away the whole store. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, great. So, any advice to scholarship applicants? I mean, it really depends why you're doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, my motivations for doing it is because I want to be an academic. Mm. Don't really want to work for Kazana for the rest of my <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, Would you be okay being bonded to Kazana? I'd be okay because Cambridge was Cambridge is a pretty big deal. Mm, um, yeah. You got you got Cambridge. Yeah, and you know most people have told me it's you're going to have more funding opportunities with Cambridge than with uh, University College London, which I already which I had an offer from, mm. but no way to get funding it was really tough for UCL. For UCL, oh wow! I applied to Kazana for the. F- Last year when I applied to Kazana with UCL, mm. I didn't even make the cut the first the first round. Wow. This round with Cambridge, mm. I, I made it to at least this time the second round. Wow. Yeah. So I think they are I mean, like it or not, companies who sponsor you are looking for that kind of association yeah. and, and prestige. Sure. Right? So to be able to go to be able to say that we sponsored so many people to go to these Ivy Leagues. And they can also say they can also rhetorically say like we're building the nation by sending these people abroad. So there's a lot more PR value to it mm. when when you go to this slightly more prestigious, well-known. Even though I don't, and I think UCL might be higher in ranking for certain things, mm. it doesn't matter because Cambridge and Oxford are brand names. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I will say though uh, is, you know, for things like Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, mm. uh, Princeton, just give it a try. Mm. I didn't expect to get it. Mm, I genuinely mm. didn't expect to get it. Mm. My boss told me I should, so mm. I did, and I really didn't expect to get it. Yeah, I've heard similar things as well. You yeah. should just try your luck. So I mean, just with give my grades, I don't think. <laughs> but <laughs> you'd be you'd be surprised. I don't know. All right, maybe yeah. I apply for some, uh, you know, <laughs> music appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're doing those things anymore. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. Last thing I want to talk to you about. Um, I watched, uh, it's that same guy actually, Robert uh, Spalski. If I don't know when I'm butchering his name. And he's basically, uh, wait, let me just grab his credentials because I don't want to butcher this. So, what does he, I mean, what does his YouTube channel do on a regular basis? Um, he's not a YouTuber, uh, but basically, he is a lecturer in um, psychology, is it? Not yeah, kind of, uh, but, but he's a lecturer in Stanford. Okay. Hold on, let me just get his Robert Sapolsky. Anyone who's editing this can just put music in <laughs> slightly into the background. He's a neuroendocrinologist. Okay. Um, sure, I've heard professor of, that. <laughs> of neurology and neurological sciences at Stanford University. Okay. But basically, he his main area of study for many years, 15, 20 years, was studying baboons. Okay. And looking at, again, baboon, the, uh, hierarch- the hierarchies, the structures, mm-hmm. and looking at stress. Yep. And how it affects um, the alpha 
etc. Mm. And I was watching some videos and then he did a video with uh, Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan Joe Rogan was wanted to just talk to him about one main thing which he was super fascinated by and now I by extension I'm also fascinated by which is something called uh, toxoplasmosis. Okay. Now, this is a type of bacteria uh not it's 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 called that that's the name of the the wait let me get it toxo yeah the name of the bacteria is toxoplasma gondii it's a it's a parasite okay and it has evolved in a way that it can only re- reproduce in cats okay right in cats because of that it has the way it moves around is through rats okay now so it doesn't infect the rats doesn't infect the rats but it moves through the rats yeah okay now this is the fascinating part why rats and how does it use rats it has a way of manipulating um the nervous system in the rat so that the rat cannot smell the cat okay in fact it makes the cat smell nice you mean makes the oh okay makes the cat, cat smell, smell nice. nice wow okay so this rat is going in blind because <laughs> this uh toxoplasma gondii is manipulating it the cat eats the rat the parasite goes into the cat yep. it reproduces in the cat then it comes out through the feces or whatever right it blew my mind Okay. But then when I thought about it, okay, so f- the reason why it blew my mind is because can you imagine how the the parasite would have evolved? Yeah. And how you could have manipulated to to a level where it manipulated the systems of the rat to that level. Mm. And some people now argue that it's not a parasitical relationship but it's actually a symbiotic relationship. Because okay. what it actually it also does is in male rats because rats are able to kind of smell whether another rat is diseased mm-hmm. but with rats with this toxoplasma uh, gondii the rats the diseased rats even if it's diseased it smells good okay. and so female rats will mate with it so in that way the gene is pushed forward so okay it helps male rats so in that way it's kind of symbiotic in maybe. a twisted way maybe yeah maybe yeah so it blew it really blew my mind and then i thought about it actually even rabies to that to to a certain extent where this type of uh, i think it's a bacteria makes the dog go crazy so mm-hmm. the dog has a high chance of biting so it spreads right that's another another example now but the thing about uh, toxoplasmosis the interesting thing about it is we don't know how it affects human beings and apparently <laughs> almost 50% of humans have it have it apparently wow yeah because um Yeah, apparently I, this I'm not too sure I need to fact check this but it's I think about 50%. But we're not sure how it really affects human beings. There's some data that seem to say but this is like all early 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 research so it's not substantiated at all at this stage if I'm not mistaken. Seem to show that just like how the virus the bac- sorry the parasite inhibits the rat's ability to sense the cat. Yep. It it might be uh affecting the way human beings uh so they show that like a lot of drunk drivers mm-hmm. so not drunk drivers reckless drivers have 
toxoplasmosis. So how, it kind of inhibits your your. How are you detecting it? I'm I'm not sure actually. Like one, this Robert Spalski said that he gave an anecdote that he said that when motorbike accident uh, victims come into the hospital, there was this doctor who had another senior doctor. The senior doctor said, "Test them for this parasite," and because for some reason he noticed that this parasite was frequently in motorcyclists. Okay. Mad accidents. Interesting. But he's anecdotal. Yeah. But so also, it, also because you say if fifty percent of us have it, finding it is pretty common. Then yeah, right. So yeah. you but finding be, a correlation is really tough. Ah, uh, yeah. You know the effects of it. Yeah. It might be nothing. Mm. Right. So, I I found it fascinating, and by extension, just because this guy Robert Spassky, he really doesn't really he doesn't believe in free will. <laughs> he's more of determinism. Yep. You know, so he says like what people do in a split second. It's not free, mm-hmm. and it's informed by things like how you grew up as a child. Your responses are trained. The stress level your mother had when you were when you were prenatal. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> you know, that's pretty crazy to how go much, back there. Yeah, <laughs> how much of pair bonding you have with your mom, right? Dad, and you know all those factors. So he said he thinks that to think that you have any semblance of control back to it, you know that point of control sure is silly and he he thinks that like one of the things that people are going to laugh about 50 60 100 years from now is how we we blame people for making bad choices mm, yep or we blame or we you know we kill or sentence people for things kind of out of con- their control yeah and we do know that like you know we've had a dark history of lobotomy for example mm-hmm where you try and shut down parts of the brain, <laughs> people go crazy and do stupid. You know, it really affects them. You know, and there's there seems to be, it seems to be. You know, when there's damage to your prefrontal cortex, you are able to distinguish between right or wrong, but you still do wrong things. Yeah. So, and your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that really you know helps you set long term goals, right? Um. While the and giving the ability to say no to certain things that are pleasurable for a long term goal, it only matures up to the science seems to say that it only matures when you reach twenty five. Right. That's the reason also why we have eighteen year olds the eighteen age as a mark for a minor mm. post minor, but it's an arbitrary number. Yeah. Okay, and like you said, you're a socialist. So would I safely characterize you as socialist? Mark says what? Uh, I mean, in 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 this respect, mm. I consider myself somewhat of a materialist. Okay. Like, I think it is predetermined. Okay. Whatever, like, whatever choice we think we have is an illusion. Insofar yeah. as that it's been predetermined, your thoughts are not going to suddenly flip on a dime. Yeah. Um. But I think we can make because the world we experience is only our own. Yeah. You know, there's no way to tell whether you and I sitting here, it's all an illusion. But as far as we experience it, these choices are meaningful to us as we experience it. Yeah. So I am a determinist in that sense, but I'm not someone to discount agency. Mm. You know, I think you can still make a decision, but unfortunately, you know, too much of it has been predetermined. Yeah. yeah. I'll preface this by saying that I'm not uh, I'm someone who's interested in a lot of things, but I don't understand most things. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not a scientist by 
by any stretch. Sure. Also, I think in terms of, I don't know, personality-wise or maybe politically, I'm more, I've always been more of, uh, I, 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 mm, I'm cautious in saying a capitalist. I don't think I'm a capitalist, but I, I think I am a strong believer in individual rights, the individual, sure, personal liberties, freedoms. That's where I think I lean to. Okay, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, so you know, because I've been interested, I do do a bit of basic reading, and one of the things I read that is that when it comes to like postmodern Marxists, for example. Okay, right? so. Postmodern Marxists don't believe. We should correct that. Okay. This is a Jordan Peterson thing. <laughs> postmodern Marxists don't exist. They are the postmodern, the okay. post, the postmodernists, people he derides, uh, and I agree with because they've they've de- they've destroyed the world. Okay. In deconstructing everything. Yeah. So people like, uh, I think he brings up Derrida and Foucault. Yeah, for sure. So these people are not Marxists. So, so you call them just postmoderns. Yeah, they are in if you study in philosophy school, they are the postmodern because they they believe that there's nothing that exists. Yeah, there's nothing that exists. But Marxists, yeah. uh, you want to call them don't talk about post Marxists, don't talk about anarcho Marxists. Standard Orthodox Marxists believe in grand narratives. Yeah, and believe I think believe in historical materialism that has a a kind of like theological end. The yeah. world moves linearly upwards towards something. Sure. And I mean, Marxists by very definition believe, I think, in power structures. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, so based on superstructure. Whereas, um, postmodern types, then I would say, mm-hmm. don't even believe in power. Not necessarily. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily. They base, for those who don't know, they don't even believe, you know, it, science. <laughs> science is an illusion <laughs> to them. I actually don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. No. It, and that's, the reason why is, this ties into it is because uh, Foucault, he's, some of his works examine the way we treat the mentally, I don't know how yep, you call Yeah, the mentally ill, uh, what was it? No, I don't think it was discipline and punishment. I can't, I can't, the, I can't He, he did work on yeah. prisons and mental, mental, mental institutions. Yeah. And so, I wonder whether there's kernels of truth to it. In the way we, our criminal justice system works. Mm-hmm. Um, are we right to, hold people accountable mm-hmm. for things that they might not have control over. For example, murdering someone mm-hmm. out of rage. Are we, is that, can that person truly be accountable if it's already predetermined? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a diff- difficult quandary to have and that's why I don't think mm. the criminal justice system should be punitive in that way. Mm. I mean, there's... Then rehabilitative. Rehabilitative. Yeah. It's, yeah. It can be rehabilitative. Um, but I don't think that should be the... I mean, if you believe that they, it is predetermined, yeah. why you might want to still lock someone up is because you're afraid they might do it again. Yeah. Right? Deterrence. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of those people who think that we should punish someone purely so the victim feels happy. Yeah. Because it doesn't, doesn't necessarily solve anything. Yeah. Right? Uh, we could just have played a recording of the murderer getting killed and then it would have fundamentally the same effect. Right? Sure. People just want to see it happen. Yeah. Right? It doesn't need to affect necessarily affect the material well, world. I, I, to be fair, they, I think they want to know that guy, the person is dead. Well, if we could trick them, I would mind. <laughs> <on. laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I get that argument and it's, it's, I, don't, I think it's a very circular, there's no way to really prove it yeah. unless you know, we find a way to cut someone open and there's consciousness and we can measure consciousness, test yeah. it. There's no way of ever knowing 
if people, and I think we may have to live with this mystery, mm. knowing whether people have that kind of genuine agency. Consciousness is a tough thing, man. Yeah. It's a <laughs> tough, tough thing. <laughs> and it, that, that, it, it, that also centers, it, it also affects the, the very controversial abortion debate. Oh yeah, okay. That's I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot of people talk about abortion, but for me, it comes down to when does something have life? life. Yeah. And most of us would describe life as consciousness when it's something sentient. Sure. Conscious. That's a tough, tough thing. So, Marxist position, prison still exists. So, that's the wrong question to ask. Okay, then. Ma- Marxism, so just to clarify, if we do future podcasts, Marxism doesn't have a stance on everything. Okay. It's not a complete worldview. Okay. It has stances on economics. It has stances on politics. Yeah. If you're a real fanatic, you can go and read uh, Engels because Engels has the dialectics sure. of science, which is really interesting because... And Engels worked with Marx, right? Yeah. Uh, Engels basically funded Marx. Yeah. He was also an intellectual of his own to some extent. Sure. Um, but you want to really get into the crazy stuff, there's dialectics of science yeah. where they believe all science is dialectics uh, where it's... Dialectic, sy- dialectic meaning... Synthesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Yeah. So it, it, like the pendulum swing. Mm, sort of, yeah. So like something emerges, an opposition to it emerges, yeah. and then uh, they finally combine on some level. Yeah, and the root of that is Hegel. Yeah, honest. and the root of that is Hegel, yeah. Sure. So to some extent, you can try and construct a worldview, but Marxists may not be interested in all of it. Sure. You know, for, for people on the socialist left, abortion is a matter of choice. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I get that. Um, we should drag it back to the criminal justice thing. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, don't yeah. want to go down this abortion one because that'll be another. Yeah, half hour. yeah. I was just thinking about <laughs> it and like uh, better not, better not. And I mean we've touched a lot of things and a lot of the individual topics we we discuss could be podcasts or episodes own, b- yeah. by themselves. <laughs> like, you know, I would love to talk to you more about uh, Marxism because, I mean, I think I stand not again. I understand, but at the same time, I have a lot of questions, and sure. I, and, I, I, and I think I'm a bit skeptical, mm-hmm. right? So we've always, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions about this in the past, and yep. we kind of uh, stand in opposing views, but at the same time, I think we both understand each other's positions, sure. And we're not too fanatical in in our positions. Maybe uh, you a little bit more than me. <laughs> I've invested a lot of time <laughs> yeah, and a lot of money, <laughs> folks. <laughs> I can't go back now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm 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 not too fanatical about it. I understand eh, it's complicated. I think Marx, at the very least, you can what you can say is that Marx had good intentions. Uh, sure, he yeah. saw a genuine problem. Yeah. Um, of course, you can argue about the implementation. But I would caveat that the implementation. I mean, you would say it was not true, Marxist. Also, because you there there are all sorts of like because he's one of the most well studied figures. There are all sorts of like weird things you could get into. You know, the fact that the Leninists only took late Marx. Sure. There was an early Marx. And I've read some of the early Marx writings. Yeah. He was for freedom of speech, yeah. freedom of association. One of the most famous things was he protested the fact that landlords were running people off the, the property they owned because they just needed firewood to survive the winter. Yeah, yeah. And so that was, that was one of like the pivotal moments that got him into, you know, his writing and his activism. And so... There, it is far too complicated. We can talk about whether the implementation actually went wrong because it's a bit of both. Okay, yeah. I'm going to be a little bit greedy because we've already reached like one hour 30 minutes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, and plus our intro, I think that's one hour 40. But let's I just, maybe we, we do another 10 minutes and end it. I, 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 I just, 
want to ask you, do you think the left has gone too far? Um, okay, wait, let's let's preface this. Yes. It's hard because we're in Malaysia. So the political structures or the way we view... No, let's not even do that because I think there is a misconception about who who is in the left, right? Yeah, but the thing is, who is in the left changes, from, it almost even changes in country, country to country. Of course. Right? So let's talk about the US-centric one because sure. I think that... that Easier. That has that that's dominant, yeah. that's hegemonic, yeah. and we all engage in the categories like it or not. Sure, SJWs sure, sure. don't exist except in the US. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I, actually, I think they're, no, coming, no. they're bleeding to Malaysia. Yeah, they are, they are. But I think I the category. It's pretty scary to hear how many people talk about privilege in Malaysia. Now. It is, yeah, it is. It right. is the 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 discourse has come here, but that's yeah. where it emerged, yeah. and I think that's where it's engaged with the most. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Sure, sure. So there are people who think that. Um, the left includes okay. liberals. So who yeah. are the... I mean, well, before I jump into that, who are the centrists then, right? Because yeah. technically, Bill Clinton, te- technically even Obama <laughs> is technically a centrist. centrist how, mu- yeah. how much they've done for social democracy yeah. or what looks like social democracy yeah. is very minimal. Yeah. You know, what he passed as the Affordable Care Act can, I mean, Obamacare, more popularly known, yeah. can barely be considered socialist. Uh, in that sense, because it still has private options, it's not universal. Sure, there are all sorts of punitive like things. So that that was just an expansion of the Medicare. I think so. Yeah. yeah, but it had very weird kind of things where if I think you didn't get on a healthcare program, you'd be fined. Uh, like there was, uh-huh. yeah, I don't I don't remember the details, but it was pretty messy. Sure. Um. So, one, uh, we'll just frame the discussion. Yeah. When you mean the left, uh, you also mean liberals. Right? Sure. Yeah. You also like so. Let's just frame it that way because I think that's still the narrative now. That that Re- that okay. We we talk about Republicans, Democrats, mm-hmm. liberals more often than not would be Democrats. Yep. So if you frame it in that sense, yeah, left would include liberals. Yeah. So I I really don't like that because they do they do have what um, okay. What's the difference? Okay, even before that, what's the difference between liberals and socialists? Yeah. Sure. I mean, liberals believe in uh, democratic capitalism. They believe. Uh, and I think one one other thing they believe in is also the fact that the state exists. So something mm. that something that you can read in uh, uh, the liberals of the 18th and 19th century is that it is only and they realize this very quickly. It is only the state mm. that allows for rights to exist because yes. rights have to be enforceable. Sure. How are they enforced without a state? Sure. Right. And sure. so ultimately, conservatives and liberals ended up defending the state. Yeah. And capitalism is what allowed. No, capitalism is what allowed for liberals to emerge. Yeah. This was the emerging, uh, the word bourgeois, yeah. which comes from the words burgess, yeah. which means city dweller. Sure. So these weren't just capitalists. Yeah. These were also lawyers, uh, people who held office. So these, so these were the people who became the liberals, who sure. asked for their rights from the nobles and the monarchy. Um, so they emerged from that tradition, whether they know it or not. Mm. You know, Socialists do not. Uh, mm. And so... Liberals will defend uh, parliamentary democracy because parliamentary democracy preserves their interests mm, mm. more readily than, let's say, direct democracy. Mm, 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 right. So there, there's the distinction. And socialists have two main branches: anarchism and Marxism. That's yeah. a twenty-minute discussion. Wait, all so on okay, but I think I can sum it. In. So anarchism is no state whatsoever, completely no state. I just wrote an article about this. So right. what? Bakunin, one of the founders of anarchism, proposed is that there would be an alternative to the state. So what would you what you would have is you would have free association of producers, meaning you know if 
all of us who work in this factory mm. will form an association mm. democratically uh, governed. Mm -hmm. We would vote on things mm. and this association would be federated on like a district level to become uh, a district federation of producers and communes. But wouldn't that just be the state again? No, because you would have to, you would install things that were seen in the Paris Commune where if, let's say, a group of a hundred of us mm. have a certain decision about this law, mm. we ask you to bring it to the next level mm. and you go to, the, go to the meeting, you fail to bring the decision, mm. we immediately recall you. Mm. You will not get to represent us the next time. Mm. So the immediate recall is complete accountability. Okay, never mind. We, okay. Yeah, just, that's yeah. why this is a long sure, discussion. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> but okay, then uh, socialist, then how, how would that differentiate from with, with a socialist? You mean Marxist? Uh, sorry, a Marxist, yeah. So Marxists... I, from what I understood in the past, a Marxist would advocate for a, a very small state. Uh, not a state, lah, but some, no, someone the, would... So, so the, the correct characterization is that Marxists are looking for the state as the vehicle to overthrow the system. Yeah. So there have been long debates about whether the state is suitable for overthrow mm. and installing socialism. Mm. Because uh, some, some people, and I agree with them to some extent, that the state is built explicitly for capitalism. And therefore, you cannot change its nature. Yeah. You have to destroy it completely. And so yeah. there is that road. But the thing is, this is far too nuanced a topic because there's also left communism. Left yeah. communism in Germany would look like the anarchist vision, yeah. free association of producers, federated, and they would form like a supreme body. Okay, okay, too in-depth, too in-depth, too in-depth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, my, back to my question, has the left gone too far? So your yeah. position is that liberals have gone too far. What irks you? What irks you about them? Uh, I think, uh, I, would, I wouldn't just say liberals have gone too far. I think part of the left has have, have adopted a lot of, um, have, a lot of have adopted a lot of liberal tactics, a lot of liberal language. Yeah. So that SJW culture yeah. has bled into the left to a significant extent as well. Yeah. Uh, and so this like sort of cancelling culture. Yeah. And I and I agree that people should be called out. Sure. But I've always struggled with the question: What do you do with them the day after they are cancelled? Yeah. Right. Are you just going to like excise them from society? Yeah. Send them off to live in some exactly. planet. Technically, to have to continue to live in society is worse than going to prison because in prison. You are told that you have this space, we yeah. will feed you. But if you're cancelled and maybe you'll never get a job again, yeah. it's probably worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have a practical example of this. Okay. Um, a few months ago, yeah. I think it was a few months ago, Utusan Melayu right. was shut down. Shut down. <laughs> you know, everyone, employees were fired. I was quite happy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people were. But, and you know, I hated Utusan Melayu with a, with a vengeance just because they slandered a lot they of activists. They slandered a yeah. lot of people. Their narrative they, they peddled was so blatant. Yeah. It was it's just horrible. Okay. Right. So I was always have always been disgusted by Utusan Melayu even when I see the newspaper. Right. But when they shut down people were so happy. But for me I did think about it and I realized where are the viewers going to go? I right. mean, where are the subscribers going to go? Sure. And I, it, this also was coupled with the fact I saw a rise in, or I would say, all right platforms on social media. I would think that they were around before the death of Utusan. Okay. 
you might be right, but here here's my point. Okay, and let me just explain. These alt-right platforms are very nationalistic. <sighs> okay. They're very nationalistic. There are certain uh populations, but predominantly Malay. Yep. Um and it's a lot of anti-Chinese rhetoric. Mm-hmm. DAP are the devil's incarnate. Yeah. Etc. Mm-hmm. Latent, re- some of it really, really suspicious. I think they write a lot of bad history also. Bad history. A lot of like Chinese businessmen are <laughs> playing us and, yeah. and you know, that's just the thing they know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that they sell. And however bad Utusan was, Utusan was never that bad. Sure. But my point is the where do you think the viewers of Utusan are going to go? Okay. Let's answer that before we tie it, try and tie it back to the where the has the left gone too far like question. Yes. Um I don't know. I don't I don't I tend not to look at it that way, as in like their viewers, like um I mean supposedly Utusan was supposed to just peddle news, right? Yeah. It wasn't necessarily people seeking a particular viewpoint. Yeah. So yeah, I my my thing is this. They were already Utusan was right, very right. I think I know where you're going. That people would have would have gone Shifted. to this site and gone and become more extreme, more right. and because Utusan was more public in in the sphere, the platform might be more accountable. Yes, one, and also it was easier to engage. Sure, it was much more easier to engage with them. Mm-hmm. It was difficult. It was annoying. <laughs> yeah, but that's discourse. Sure. The so that's I, I did a Facebook post and I just said that. I said, you know, it's a sad day that Utusan has died because it's uh, another platform gone that encouraged its discourse. Because it's gonna be much more difficult now to identify these alt-right groups because they are relatively small. Yes. Yeah. I mean substantial numbers. They're growing, but, yeah. But small. Mm. It's gonna be more difficult. And you know, it's they're building these little little echo chambers everywhere. Mm. And I found that very dangerous. And I was surprised at the comments. Okay, people were up, kind of upset that I said that. You know, I had one person said said, I mean, fair statement. She said, like, you know, um Was it the Nazi one? No, that yeah, was Yeah, yeah, Hitler, Hitler. Say something yeah. uh, basically said something along the lines of Oh yeah, you also commented on that yeah, post. I did. Yeah. No, but something along the lines to say that, you know, uh platforms give Hitler power. Yeah, sure. You know. And I feel that kind of represents the problem mm-hmm. with the left. Because I would also argue, you can argue the same token in the sense that Hitler removing platforms also gave him power. Yeah. I think it is a, it is a complex issue in that extent. But I think like I'd be careful not to over-determine the platform yeah. with what actually changes on the ground. Sure. Because we have no way of measuring how opinions change over time is is very complex. So to say that all platforms are good or taking platforms down, taking platform down, taking platforms down are bad, is is yet to be determined in my opinion. My because my 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 position. Sorry, my position is. I don't know whether. I think. We to. It's too arbitrary to say this platform is good, this platform is not good. This person is good, this person is not good. We cancel accordingly. Yeah. Right? I think everyone should have a fair start, fair platform, same opportunity and you battle it out. The thing is that's that's not 
that is not the that is not the way the world that is an ideal case mm. but that will never be the way the world will be mm. because right wing causes will yeah. always have more money behind them left wing causes will never have money behind them you think so yeah because the labor movement was funded with nothing but labor money and unlike the libertarian movement which which is funded by billionaires but the democrats are getting so i don't so i'm talking about the labor left okay. you know the people who organize labor unions i'm not talking about the democratic party jeremy corbyn uh Jeremy Corbyn to some extent I mean because in the in the UK wait Bernie Sanders don't uh, you think Bernie Sanders is getting funding not from he's explicitly trying to reject it so that he's clean okay um and so I think the ideal case where there is a marketplace of again this famous term the marketplace of ideas sure and the 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 playing field is level yeah. is a completely false notion mm. to me because I think no one will fund yeah. uh uh, a movement to destroy the system. Yeah. No one is going to go stick that. No capitalist is, except maybe Engels. Yeah. No capitalist is going to stick their neck out and like, okay, I'm going to fund you yeah. to destroy capitalism and my privileges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that there, there will always be an uneven playing field. But I think we sh- what would be a more interesting discussion is the morality of taking down platforms. Right? Do you actually empower them? So we can circle back to David Icke. Yeah. By taking down his video. Yeah. Uh, with that London reel, yeah. it gave them more legitimacy. Exactly. Right. So, but that doesn't. He got taken out from YouTube. Pretty yeah. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. But 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 that's a bit besides the point. Legitimacy aside, was it right for them to take it down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And to me, it's a very and and the quote I actually replied to your Facebook post in was. The line should be drawn at incitement to violence. Sure. A legal, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, there is yeah, a legal yeah. case for that because. Yeah. I mean, um, that's like people say that freedom of speech, uh, people always cite freedom of speech or freedom of expression depending on the country. But there's always been restrictions. Yeah. There's yeah. always been restrictions. Absolutely. It's not full, completely, you can say anything. There is accountability. Yeah. And I think a good line is incitement to hurt others. Yeah. Violence. If you're inciting people to be violent, yeah, definitely. So the problem with it getting gray is that with in, in the case of that 5G tower thing, yeah. which is. Pretty good. We're circling back to that topic. <laughs> yeah, not bad, huh? Uh, the 5G tower thing was the fact that David Icke didn't say you should go and burn the towers. Yeah. He didn't even say conclusively that they would... Like, I think one comment said that he didn't conclusively say you should do it, conclusively that it was dangerous, but yeah. people connected the dots. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting because how much of responsibility should a person take yeah. for the statements that they make. Yeah. Like for example, a good example uh, a good example it's uh Nietzsche. Right? The Oh yeah. Nazis used uh He didn't have a chance to defend himself anyway. He so. was dead. Yeah. He was dead and his sister had misinterpreted or mis yeah. uh, whatever his his writings. Mm-hmm. Do we hold Nietzsche uh, accountable for how the Nazis interpret his a writings? Bit, a bit hard. <laughs> some people would, some people wouldn't. Yeah. You know? That, that, yeah, that's that's a really um Interesting point. The problem, the interesting thing about America is we see now that it's really evident that platform cancelling in America mm-hmm. where you'd have people, it, and it's really interesting. I, I think it's, uh, because you know, there's the rise of the, they call themselves the dark intellectual web. Right? The intellectual dark web, yeah. Intellectual dark web, sorry. Um, and these are people I find quite fascinating because politically, they have differing views. Mm-hmm. But they seem to be joined just by this uh, cancel culture. Cancel culture. Yeah, that seems to be the only thing that has joined this group of people together. Yeah. So you see, amazingly, Ben Shapiro, 
standing side by side with um, Sam Harris, Sam Harris, yeah, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, the Weinstein Weinstein brothers. Uh, uh, um, so, because what has happened is you, it could be as simple as going for to give a college talk, and the moment they this leftists or yeah. whatever you want to call them or liberals mm-hmm. feel that it doesn't fit with their ideological narrative yep. they get mad they shut it down Yeah, they shut it down and they can be on the borderline of being violent yeah you know because uh, I listening uh, I'm going to plug a pretty interesting podcast that sure. I listen to called Chapel Trap House Okay, and the way they describe this kind of politics is that these kind of liberals believe that politics is a virus. It is a contagion. Yeah. Pretty apt. Yeah. Um, that if you're infected with it, you're going to spread it. Sure. They don't like, and, it, and it's odd that they don't see combating it, yeah. but they see it, you know, isolating it and shutting it down yeah. as the solution. Yeah. So it is, and they didn't have, they didn't have a conclusive answer to why the response was that. Yeah. You know, it could be that liberals just aren't able to answer the one one theory that I have is that because it is all, it is the whole system they defend. Yeah. They defend capitalism and de- and parliamentary democracy in its form, and so they need to defend the whole system. Yeah. So in in engaging with arguments, you are you actually point out the deficiency of the system. Sure. So it's actually easier to just isolate outliers yeah. than to actually fight them and then sh- show people the cracks. Yeah, I mean but this is just a theory. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. I mean, people are quick to shout out or or identify snowflake snowflake culture. Yeah, I think that's a bit unfair. <laughs> a little bit, you know. Um, I think it is because it. I no, I just think it it makes it's a weapon you use to dismiss everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I understand what they're saying because <laughs> a lot of times these are a group of people who say you're 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 you're. You're threatening to hurt me, <laughs> but it's an idea. It's yeah. an, a conversation. Yeah. And the point why that snowflake point is, you become so soft that you're so afraid of an idea mm-hmm. of a conversation. Yeah. And that's kind of silly if you're afraid of a conversation, especially when you're college, mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be challenged. Your ideas are supposed to be challenged. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people grow up uh, very hierarchical. They believe in structures. College is one of the places where you realize, oh, it's not as easy as it oh, seems. Oh, it's not as simple. Uh. It's not as simple and there are a lot of layers. Mm. That's where the unfolding and it only can be done through challenge, right? But it, now it seems the what the it has to work the other way as well, you know? <laughs> and so the, those opposing ideas, they just seem to be a, 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 version, a version to it, which is pretty interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, I can't say I've read the literature because genuinely, I don't, en- I'm not on, I don't engage with these people. Yeah, I've generally done a very good job of avoiding these people. <laughs> so, <laughs> and also Malaysians, they might not be too many of them. I don't know. I think cancel culture, cancel culture is around. I don't want to name names, but uh, you know, a certain yeah, a certain. I mean, I've met a few people, but not many. I've just observed the sort of like reaction to canceling certain people. Sure. I think yeah. yeah again, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, name yeah. the name of this one person. Uh, is that one we know? No. Uh, radio host. Then name it lah. Why? I don't know. Who's the radio host? What? Uma Pagan? He got ah, cancelled like quite badly. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's controversial. That's really controversial. Yeah, that's, that's pretty controversial. But there have been good amount of evidence. Uma how much Pagan, re- if you want to come on. <laughs> we have no. We're willing to talk to you, man. I w- no, I would love to talk to Uma Pagan. <laughs> I would love to talk to him. 
I think I can. <laughs> here's the thing: I can talk to someone and not agree with what yeah. he did. You know, in fact, I, I want to know um, um, what happened. You know, what's going on? Sure, but <laughs> I think we lose our audience pretty fast, and we don't want to <laughs> do that too soon. Hey, <laughs> further into your career, <laughs> when we want the controversy, and it'll do some good for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still haven't. I still haven't landed on this um, as a position yet, because like. For one, the I think a lot of the argument is that you're giving someone a platform, right? If yeah. you bring, if BBC brings David Icke onto their show, they're giving him a platform. Yeah. And are you wrong for giving someone a platform yeah. if their views are erroneous? Yeah. And so again, back to that, like politics being a contagion, being a virus thing, it is pretty problematic in the way that it doesn't make sense, right? Shielding yeah. people from this absolutely is not going to make them better human beings. Yeah. But also belittle belittles people in insofar as you think that they are sponge, yeah. and being exposed to bad politics means they'll absorb it immediately. But I, you know, like you said, it's a complicated issue because, like again, with David Icke, the ideas are so tantalizing, mm-hmm. and it's so hard to battle yeah. those kind of ideas. Yeah, it's dangerous. But at the same time, again, removing platforms, it's also very dangerous. Yeah, it's easier. It's much easier to remove platforms. <laughs> yeah, but there is a I would say an alternative that is really difficult and maybe others and you know it takes too much of time which is having conversations building relationships look I, I watched um, uh, a video by this guy called Daryl Davis okay and basically Daryl Davis is uh, he's a musician blues he's quite good but he's really famous for converting uh, KKK he's black so he, okay. he's very famous for converting KKK members I think right. he's Something about like hundred plus he's okay. converted, and they give him his ro- their ropes. Okay, and he tells his story. It's it's really fascinating. But basically, um, he basically he starts off with just have he meets one of the main first thing the KKK structure is crazy. But anyway, he meets <laughs> the one of the heads. He the grandmaster. Uh, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have like uh, cyclops. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Okay, but um, uh, they have altars and it's. <laughs> mad like the majors okay. and you know, whatever man. So, <laughs> sounds fun yeah, yeah. so uh, sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons yeah <laughs> but uh, so he meets one of the, the the main guys and he he basically creates a relationship with this guy mm. and after a period of time you know this is the first conversion this guy gives him his robes and everything right and but the main takeaway I, I took from Daryl Davis Daryl Davis is all about conversations yeah and he said like, even with that guy, even before converting the first dude, because he's converted a lot of guys since then and he doesn't really like the word con- convert but yeah. for simplicity. But he said they saw the humanity in each other. You mm. know, you become more, you re- when you be build a relationship with someone, you have to move beyond seeing the caricature of that person. Yeah. You have to move beyond seeing the stereotype of that person mm-hmm. and you have, you will like that person if that guy is a good guy and then you have to see, you it'll force you to see beyond. Yeah, and even in Malaysia, the problem is we don't have these opportunities because look, even us in school, the different groups, the racial groups, the languages we spoke, the languages we spoke, yeah, you know, so that all these barriers kind of we never saw like people, Malays, Chinese really close. Yeah, or I mean, to be fair, our school Indians were on the lower side, but even Indians also, we didn't see really close relationships mm-hmm. in that way, and it's getting worse now. By the f- with the privatization of public schools, so it's now everyone is, is divided according to their socioeconomic status. Mm. You know it's, that just that divide is becoming worse and worse and worse. 
Yeah. Okay, this won't this won't end up circling back to the original question, uh, the which was the has the left gone too far? But like yeah. we can talk about this in some other podcast. About, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like because there the, there is racism that people act on. Yeah, and there race. I've I've noticed lah. I mean, something that I've been thinking about. There's racism that people act on. Yeah, and there's racism that people just engage with because you know it. It, it you are. You are an in-group, like I mean, to be accepted in a certain group, you say certain things, sure, right? So there is that kind of like cult, casual cultural racism yeah. that no one will act on. Yeah. There is there is a point of con- there is a point where one moves to the other, but that's yet to be determined. Yeah. And so I find that that there is a difference, there is a distinction worth making yeah. because when you're calling out racist, who are you calling out? Yeah. Is it the groups that will act upon it or the groups that won't? Because materially, it won't affect you. For the casual group. Yeah. Do right? you think intention matters? I think that's besides the point. Sure. Yeah. It's because it's really difficult to tell. Because, because one one step before that, even even one a preliminary step is there's a distinction between being racist and being racial. Mm-hmm. That's also another difference. Yeah. Because unfortunately we live in a country. Not unfortunately, it's a we live, in, yeah. we live in a racial country. Yeah. Uh and to be blind to race is also in itself a form of racism. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, 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 you know. But cool. Okay, we've actually reached two hours. Ooh. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> okay, not we bad. have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, my friend. Whoever is listening. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It was a good... I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, we did, we did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot. We went all over. And actually, again, a lot of those things we can we could have... Uh, yeah, we could listen back and just pick on one of those things <laughs> and have another two hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, thank you so much. And that is the end. Let's hope I don't delete this. Oh.